Hey guys, it's Mateo Lane here and Emma Willman for another episode of Inside the Closet. Today we discuss uh, what happened at DragCon, miscommunications, being far away from each other, uh, cool roles that we auditioned for, and we also talk about the SNL debacle. But uh, thank you so much for listening and please make sure to click like and subscribe. And that's it. Hey, this is Mateo Lane. I'm Emma Wilman. And this is Inside the Closet. Inside the Closet. (laughs) All right. All right, we're here with another episode. I'm recording off my iPad because the iPad doesn't have a thing for my microphone. (laughs) Today's been a day. We're very confused. Unlike every other day, we're very confused. But at least we're both here today together. My cousin Kelly called me she was like my friend wants to know if you and emma are mad at each other for not because we haven't been on (laughs) the podcast with each other and i was like no i'm like we're so busy i was like it just happens it's hard to do a weekly podcast it's hard but so this is what happened with this is what happened well okay so two things happened one thing with when then mateo did the episode when um mateo did the episode this is before drag con that was like a that was that yeah that was a scheduled thing and then what happened with DragCon is I got the dates wrong I had it down for September 26th which I think when we very first heard about it there was a typo in an email and that was the date but then I was like reposting reposting for DragCon and I had been I was in LA I was like I had, was in LA so and then I got a text on Friday morning the day of DragCon and Mateo was like are you in New York? Where are you? And I was like, I'm not in New York. Why would you think I was in New York? And then he was like, drag cons today. And then I was, I jumped out of bed. I was so convinced of the date. I thought you were wrong. I was like, no, it's the 26th. Well, it and was, then it, it, that was it, not the case. It was funny because here, okay, let's, we'll spill the real tea. So the day before mm. when we posted the episode where I was at Bob's house there, oh, you, yeah. you were tired. <laughs> And I could tell oh, yeah. you were maybe just tired. Yes. And so the way I actually had forgotten about that even. Yes. Well, so so Mateo covered for me, which was nice of him. I was filming something well, that they the, hired me to host. Right. Or go go for it. Well, you and I. Were, well, so we were both filming something at the same time. I was shooting something yes. for Jamie Lee's show in Houston, and I, yes. you were filming something else. And so we couldn't connect. And so the one day we had free. You were like, I, I absolutely can't. I'm filming. I said, look, I'm going to Bob's tonight. Why don't I just grab my recorder? Recorder. What am I like? I'm in my third grade. And I was like, and why don't I just go and just <laughs> film? Nick will be there. Patty will yes. be there. Monet, Bob. Oh, I had I, no, forgotten I mean, about this already, but yep. So I was <laughs> I like, I'll just, I'll just do this. Okay, great. So I really thought, Mateo, you're doing the Lord's work. You and, were. And then I recorded. And then the way things work is usually I just send it in. And then Tyler, our intern, will just come back with a bunch of different titles. I was walking to, to Jim and Sam. I was doing the Jim and Sam show. Not even thinking. Just glance. I, I mean, I almost forgot that, like, I where we were, what I was doing. You Just when you're in that rush. And so I saw a title, like, Squads in Town or something like that. And I was like, all right, that, just, that one sounds good. And went about my day. <laughs> And then I got this, and you weren't angry in your email, but you definitely had justification. Well, I, but I, I was well, so, I was, I was so shocked I, by your response. I thought, oh my god, like I, this is like very uncharacteristic of Emma. 
And I, and I just so profusely what, yeah. apologized to you because you were upset, and rightfully so, because you weren't in the eh. episode and then to say the squad's in town <laughs> and you weren't there. Okay, I completely get it, but I was like... Uh-oh. <laughs> it was the squad. It was the. It was like the ga- the squads all here. The gangs all here. Something like that. And I had been. I had been writing on something where I was only hired to host it, and I was totally exhausted, and I was in bed. And then I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, everybody's all here. How could you guys say everybody's all here when I'm not there? And then how is this okayed by everybody? And then I was like, "What the hell? If you guys want to do it where everyone's not here, then fine." So my feelings were hurt that you guys said everyone or that it was the squad is. But then after I sent it the next day, I kind of was thinking and I was like, oh, Mateo does call that group of friends specifically the squad. It wasn't like the podcast squad is all here. So I was being sensitive about that, too. Well, I also could tell, like, this business is so crazy and we're so overworked and so all this other stuff. So it's like I just was like. I'm just going to give Emma the benefit of the doubt that she, I appreciate that. Ha- she had a moment. And but I really felt like I was oh. in the doghouse. I was like, I guess I fucked up. And, you know, and I'm just, I, I was... never like feeling like there's bad blood between anybody. And not that there was bad blood, of course. but it's like, I just, you know, that feeling. Well, <laughs> that yeah, then... I was, I was, ups- yeah. But then the next day, I was like, well, we'll be all together for DragCon. We've been, <laughs> we've been. Tweeting about it. Was it the Instagram next day? It. Yeah, it was the next day. I thought, well, I should, like, she's going to take a red eye tonight. I'll see her tomorrow. I, you know, I thought maybe I'll get us, like, some cupcakes or something and we can just, like, all have, like, a, you know, just, like, chill out or whatever. Makeup and, party, yeah. Right. And so, and now uh, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> we had been an emailed with our teams for weeks about DragCon and then days and then where to get the passes and then, where, you know, all this stuff. And so right. the day of, I, we've been posting it on Instagram. And so I thought, I'm like, Emma was got to be sleeping. She took a red eye. She, she was filming. Right. She was to be exhausted. Uh, so I texted you probably like around 11 a.m. New York time, which is like 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. L.A. time. <laughs> Emma, let me know when you're back in the city. You, me, Tyler, Leaf, we all were texting each other like, okay, we're going to – well, you weren't, but I, you were part of the thread. I said, we're going to be at this time, that time, da 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 And then Emma just <laughs> – I get that text. Emma goes, I'm not in New York. Right. I was like, and DragCon isn't until whatever week. And this was, the other thing too was, the next week, I my schedule was totally clear. Like, it was like empty. So I had plenty of time to like reflect and like go through stuff. And there's all these emails where it was like, the, I was just skimming seeing, oh, I get my pass here, thinking it was for the end of the week. I had a, a friend that I had invited. My friend Siobhan was supposed to go with me. To DragCon, and also with the time difference, I wouldn't have been able to fly in and even make it anyway. So I was bummed to miss that because I've never gotten to interview Danny either. I've never got I've I've talked to Danny from um, Mean Girls like in passing, mm-hmm. but I've never got to like talk to him. I don't know his story at all. He, I mean, he's fascinating. He was great, and he was a wonderful guest. And and I, I thought, okay, I have like two hours. Before we have to be there. And, and also, you know what, Emma? This is so... Not to throw salt in the wound. But okay. beca- beca- because you said you had the wedding, we moved it to Friday. And Friday for DragCon is the VIP day. So it's like 75% less people attend. So they, they originally had us scheduled for Saturday. 
And on Saturday, that's when, like, it's the biggest fiasco. So you usually get large audiences. (laughs) See, that's where I don't – see, that's where I'm, like, it does – that this was, like – because I had, you know, I had, like, confirmed it with the people that helped me with booking my schedule stuff. And they knew about the wedding and the dates I was going to be in New York. So I'm – that's where I'm also surprised because I had said no on the – 27th I have a wedding so I need to leave at this time on the 20th and I'm like saying the dates so I guess that the no one I was working with was catching that I'm clearly talking about the wrong weekend because basically they weren't reading my emails and then I was just trusting their emails well that's what caught me by surprise because you're so busy the people who are doing the scheduling for you should know wait a minute I have an email about DragCon on Friday but you're filming this e-thing Today, like I just if, if it doesn't that... go through this one, if it doesn't go through this one guy, the, this one wonderful guy, or this one wonderful woman, if it's someone else that would be responsible for it in the mix, the other people I'm working with, I have no trust in it getting handled. Mm-hmm. Well, I, we called. So... I called Marie Faustin, who I love, and she's you know old friend of the show, and she came in last minute and filled in, and we had a good time. We chatted, and it was good. fun. And Danny's great, and you know. Um, but yeah, and then I immediately went off to, I think immediately went to LA and then was like meeting, 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 meeting. Anyways, we haven't even talked really like we had like a pre phone conversation, but it was more about my misery, but, um, (laughs) but I just, I I just want to like clear the air. Like I don't, I felt really bad about the title of the podcast well, I felt so bad about missing DragCon, I literally forgot about the podcast <laughs> title thing. Because I saw that I was in bed and I was writing something. I had to, I was writing jokes as well as hosting. And I had been in, literally, it was a perfect storm because I had messaged my manager and I had said, hey, I just want to let you know that um, I'm not just hosting, I'm, I'm writing. And I've been writing for about three days. And he said, well, it's normal to have a prep day. And I was like, I've filmed things before. I know it's normal to have a prep day. I'm not, like, I don't need to be talked down to now. I'm like, I know what's normal. I'm, I, I'm saying that this is not normal and I would like some kind of, like, protection here or some kind of, like, credit. or so, it's, it's not one extra day. It's not two extra days. It's three extra days with homework. So I've, I've been doing this and I don't feel like anyone's looking out for me and that's frustrating because I pay you. So if there could be any kind of, you know, trust or care where on top of everything else I'm not having to then justify why I'm saying, like, I don't know what the difference between one day or three days is, like, I'm irritated. And I'm feeling like I'm being uh, kind of just, like, not valued or baby talked. Actually, check this out. What the actual term is, is someone goes, oh, Emma, that's what mansplaining is. And I was like, oh, because no one... I don't think people normally mansplain to me. Maybe because they know I'm a man one, so they don't mansplain to me. But I was like, we should Google the definition of mansplaining, but I think it's when someone explains the obvious. Like, you're, is it, like you're a kid? I think it's like... To, I think the ge- generic explanation of mansplaining is like when uh, a man talks over a woman with the oh. assumption that he knows and she doesn't. So this was a little bit of that because it was the assumption of – it was basically I'm saying one thing and then it's it's 
assuming I don't know what's normal for what I'm doing. Like, it's like, well, you're supposed to have a prep day. And I was like, I know what the fuck a prep day is. I also knew I'm here three days early writing, and there's, like, no regard for when I need to be somewhere because they don't have to look out for me because they know no one, someone else isn't. And that's, like, what your job is. Right, right. So I was, like, cooking with feeling, like, frustrated. So then when I... Saw the email of like the gangs all here or squads all squads all here. That then I was like, Wah! and then I forgot about it. And then I felt I I forgot about it when I felt so bad about DragCon because I actually was so disoriented from it, and I was planning on flying in for it that I was like, this can't be right. There's no way this can't be right. So I felt so bad about that. I forgot about the title of the show title thing. But so we're after all this. Uh, and then the re- and then I sat down. It was just me sitting down with Zach last week. Mateo and I were going to record, but then Mateo actually got cast in something. Yes. I, well, just to clear the air, we're good, right? Yes, we're good. <laughs> I'm sorry about the scheduling. I really that was like that was really it was kind it was really like have you ever like woken up and you think it's one time but it's actually another time that I haven't had that happen in a very long time, but like. Or it's like you wake up and it's it's dark out and you're like, oh my god, like did I sleep through my alarm? Like what the hell time? Like what is going on? But it's really like two a.m. or something. That's what that felt like because I was like, no, like that's not when the date is. Like it's this. It, that's I have pl- I have planned around that. So it just felt totally like disorienting and weird. Yeah, it's also one of those moments where it's. Like, I mean, I couldn't get mad because I was like, I, I one, there's nothing. I'm sorry. You can do. I mean, there's just nothing at that point that you can say or do. It's just like okay, right. let's just pick up what we can pick up. And keep going, but we had a good time. Yep. Good, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, and then, what can you can you tell us about the thing you got cast in? Well, I mean, it's so tiny. It was I was in LA for 12 days, and then I uh, the day I was leaving, my agent emailed me and was like, "There's a tiny like little role on an episode of Will and Grace if you want to audition for it." And I never audition. I never go out on auditions. I just refuse. I just hate them. Blah blah. So I was like, okay. It was like a couple lines. I was like, I'll do it. So I went there, and I went with my friend John Milheiser, who I was staying with. Him and Nicole Byer. You brought a, you brought a friend to the you brought a friend to the audition. But he was auditioning for the same thing. So oh, that's funny. We just drove together, and then it was a couple lines, and you're, I'm just like, I don't want to, I can't quite say what it is or whatever. But anyways, I went in, and, and I was like one of the first people called up, and then I left and didn't think about it, and then my agent was like, um. It's actually looking really good. We might have to start changing your flight. And then, like, an hour later, like, okay, you got it. You're filming tomorrow on Willing What? I know. Let me it tell was... you something. That never fucking... Two things never happened from what you just said. One thing, when people go on auditions, afterwards you usually, like, ruminate about it and, like, think about it. Like, oh, I said this. I should have said that. So to go on an audition and then not think about it is, like, is good. But then also to get the part is very, you just won the lottery from Narnia. From <laughs> Narnia. From Not that. won the lottery, but that's like what it's like. Like it's like the, the chances of getting actually cast in something are like small. So that's really cool. Yeah, I mean it was so cool, and I got to meet Jack, and I got to meet Will, and I mean it was like, and Miss Coco Peru was the Ooh. other guest on the show, and she's been on the show before. So her and I hung out all day, just being like, uh, you know, I, that bothers me. Um, right. But we had, we just had so much fun, and, and I got to talk to Max, who was the creator of the show. I know him from, OMG. like, years ago. And so it was just, you know, it was cool to be, like, 
in gay history. Absolutely. How are the craft services? Uh, great. They were great. They had these like Italian wedding cookies that I kept eating. Oh god. Um, and then I ate a bunch of meatballs and a bunch of other stuff. But it. Oh, it so it, you were the most Italian. Yeah, I, I kind of. I guess you're right. I was. But it was fun. I mean, it was like um, just a cool experience to see, like, a, a watch a sitcom get filmed and see how it happens and listen to like, like Deborah Messing was so professional. Like she was just like all day so going you were, over. Were her you in lines. a scene with her? No, I was in a scene with Jack and Will. But you're like there on set mm. with them all day. Right. Right. And it's you know it's not as glamorous as you would think. It's like, you know, like here's your oh, green no room and it was like I don't even think Cinderella would stay here. I mean it was just like but it's so it's not quite as glamorous, but it's cool to see how like everything is like put together and how, like, everyone cares about their jobs, like, whether it's the camera guy or the, you know. And then totally. it's like, oh, I get to be on fucking Will and Grace. Do you know when the episode is going to air? I have no idea. I'm guessing, like, November or something. You know what is interesting about it, too, is it's, like, people are, like, really, like, working, like, her, Deborah Messing working on her lines in between the scenes. There was an actress on Crazy X. She plays Rachel Bloom's mom. Her name's Tova. I forget her last name. Actually, I just can't... I'm going to... If I butcher it, it'll be, like, offensive. But she, the whole time, would be, like, working on her lines, working on her lines. And I was like, oh, yeah, she has to keep... Like, that was so so impressive to me because I was like, oh, she's just a uh, trained actress, so that's why she's so good at all this stuff. But she was still, like... I mean, she was working on it, like... I remember one of the other... um, Gabrielle, who played Valencia's, her husband was there. And the actress, he was just sitting, like, talking with us. And then Tova was like... Oh, I forget what his... I forget her... Her husband's name is Phil. Tova was like, Phil, what are you doing? Like, can I sing some lines to you? And he was, like, really sweet and went over and, like, listened to her swing, sing the lines. But, like, you know, she was just going through it. Like, it's like a comedian trying to work out a joke, just, like, going through it, going through it, going through it. She was doing that. Like, and we had been sitting... We had been downtime for, like, hours, and she's just, like, going through it, going through it. You know what I mean? Like, didn't... Didn't quit. Do you wonder... I always wonder, like, I, I had no fear, no anxiety. I had no... I wonder if it's, like, That's something great. about doing stand-up where it's, like, we're so used to, like, getting ourselves out of weird situations that, like, once the line is given to you, it's not as bad. Although I only had a few lines. Like, it wasn't, like, pages of lines or anything. Yeah, but you know what? A few lines can actually be the hardest because a few lines, it's the same thing with, like, a short amount of a short stand-up set. A few lines is, like, each line kind of, like, has a purpose. So, like, every line is, like, supposed to, like, keep the story moving forward. So then sometimes, like, a short line, if you say it wrong, can, like, screw it up. Well, they, you know, to, to, to think about having to do a show, you know, we started filming at 4, and it finished at, like, 8.30. That's how much it takes to do a 22-minute show. And just, like, do it oh, all Oh, that's nothing. That's how the, the entire episode... Wait, is this in front of a live audience? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, so when something's in front of a live audience, that's called a multicam. And then if something's in front of, like, no people, it's a single cam. So single cams take way longer because a single cam is, like, you just can reshoot it because there's no audience, like, that you have to, like, you know, give bathroom breaks. I didn't realize that. So you were you were, you were performing in front of real people. Yeah. And, you know, the thing, too, is um, I, was no- I was noticing that the they had a warm-up guy. Like, there's someone who's, like, 
warming up the audience, like, just keeps them going and going and going and going. Like, so when they're, like, fixing a scene or moving something else, like, this guy's just talking. I mean, I was watching and I was like, what he's doing is one of the hardest jobs in the world. It's, like, keeping this audience alive, keeping them warm, keeping them ready. Um, but everybody was super nice. Was he nice. doing little games? Was he doing things like, was he doing crowd work? Was Because I went work, to watch The View. storytelling, and, yep. you know, facts. And it just, like, just kept him going. Just kept him alive. When I went to watch The View, the warm-up comic is a woman named Regina DiCecco. Love her. DiCicco. Love her. She's so funny. And she was, she was fucking working. It was like, she's like bopping around and ducking and weaving. Like, if it was like a party, you would have been like, she worked the room. Like, she was, she was like doing all kinds of like little, everything to keep everybody entertained. She did it. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy job, you know? You're trying to keep like Midwesterners who have no idea what Hollywood is, like, going. And they're tired. They've been there right. all day. Right. For free. Perfect. They might even pay. I don't even know. I don't know. Uh, what's going but on so with you? you did what's well happening with you? Well, so I had a funny story about this audition that I went on. So I went on this audition, and um, in the audition, it called for the character. I'm not going to say too much about it, but it called for the character to be Butch. So when I go in the audition, you know, normally it's like like 700 different variations of what casting people think that description looks like Mm -hmm. so i go in and there was like there was just the first butch like really like butch looking girl i saw was in there she's talking too much like she's like sucking up too much wind in the room it's like it's distracting Mm -hmm. so i see her and i'm like ah she's kind of annoying then there was a couple like feminine looking women and then this like other like butch girl like really like pretty face like but butch girl like kind of like saunters in and she's just sitting there quietly so, at this point, there's, like, a very wide array of, like, masculine types of presentation. But a couple of them are, like, really feminine. So, I was like, oh, you know, they're just casting a wide net. So, the first, so we're all in there for, like, an hour. And then they start calling people in. And the first girl that goes in is, like, she's, she's a little bit of a tomboy. And she's in there for, like, ten minutes. And then the second girl that goes in is feminine. She goes in, leaves in, like, four seconds. And then she just sits, she just sits down. And then the next one goes in, tomboy, in there for 10 minutes. Two more tomboys go in, and then another feminine one goes in and is, is, comes right back out. Like, it's like, it's like she doesn't even, she just turns right around. And I was like, what happened to you in there? And she said, she goes, I just walked in, and the woman went, no. And she's like, not, you, you know, you're not, this is for, like, a really masculine person. You're not butchered up. And so she's like, she's going to have me read for another part. And I was like, oh, is that even legal? Are they even allowed to, like... Because could you, if someone walked in and was too gay, if someone, wa- if like, if I walked in and someone went, no, too gay, you know, I'd call the fire department. I don't know what I would do. I mean, but, I, yeah, I mean, I can't, also, what is this, MTV's Next? It was so funny, though, because it, it was just fun, because I was like, this is, it, 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 I could picture, I knew exactly what was, it was probably like, somehow they just got the audition, but it wasn't. Someone hadn't, like, explained to them that they need to be, like, visually more masculine, too. So they had each of them read for a different part. But then when I went in, I was like, oh, what she, What are they going to say to me? And then when I was in there, they said they didn't think of me as that butch. And I said, I am. And she was like, all right. Like, she didn't say, you know, go. She, like, let me read. And I, had a, I actually felt good about the audition. But she did say, she was like, oh, I don't think of you as that butch. And I was like, ah. Bitch, did you please. just yell at her and you're like, that. I'm the man one? 
I was going to start stomping and going, but I'm the man one, I'm the man one, I'm the man one. But no, I just said, oh, ha, 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 really? That's crazy. Actually, no, I was more of a bitch. I went, yeah, I know what you're saying, but like I can, I would be for the role. That's what I said. All but right. in my head, I was like, that's a butch in my answer. Head, that's right. Exactly. Oh, you know why she actually brought it up in the first place? Why? She asked me, she asked me a question before we started doing the audition. And then she goes, oh, you're, you're standing. Are you all right? And I go, yeah. I was trying to stand like a, like butch. And she was like, oh. And then she was like, well, I don't really, yeah, I see what you're saying. She's like, I don't really, so I must have looked like I was in pain because I was trying to stand <laughs> tough. You know, she, butch, butch she, women stand like they're in pain. That's what I did. And then she was like, is everything okay? Oh, yeah. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, why? And I'm just being ma- masculine. And she was like, oh, I see. So that's not a good sign when the casting person says, what are you doing? And you go, I'm, right. I'm, why are you being I'm weird? doing the role. Yeah. Why are you making that face? I'm in character. Oh, hi. Oh. Thanks, Emma, for coming in. How come you're that way? Yeah. Why, what what's are you, your what's face? What's going on with your... It's like but I can't... I'm trying to think of something you can't control. Like, oh, what's that hand? And you're like, what? Like, I'm just like... They're just saying I the could, meanest I things. Could con- I could control this 100% because this was me trying. So that was, like, something that, like, I was... I was in control of, but... Yeah. Um, but well, there's been a lot... I, I didn't pass the test. This, I'm sorry. Uh, there's been okay. a lot that's been going on. Um, I'm sure everyone's talked to death about Shane Gillis. Uh, I haven't really talked about it that much, have you? Well, I was on Krista Stefano and Giannis Papa's podcast today, and they, they, they brought it up, because they were just talking about cancel culture and... Yes, and, you know, to contextualize it for you guys, Shane Gillis was a comedian who was hired by SNL, and then I think, like, 24, 48 hours, that was retracted. Yeah, it was a pretty quick turnaround. Quick. It was, it was a quick a turnaround. a quick turnaround, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess maybe I haven't talked about that much. I, I, I think everyone's so into talking about, well, comedians especially. Like, did you Totally. Watch, did you watch Bill Burr's special? I just started watching it the other night, and I and I was falling asleep while I was watching it, and uh, I can't I can't comment on it because I didn't watch enough of it. But I'll say this: so I listened to Shane's recordings, and I thought they were pretty awful. Like Judy Gold, a comedian, wrote a really good article on CNN about how like there's one thing to be doing like edgy material and trying to push the boundaries with your jokes or a script or something like that, but this was just like this would be like if someone caught me. With doing, I mean, I'm not going to use that example. It'd be like if it's someone just was like recording themselves, like saying really awful stuff when they were comfortable, but for no reason other than the fact that it's just like indicative of how they feel. Like uh, Jared Logan, I was talking about it the other night at a show, and he was like, "I can't think of any job where you could say those things and still be hired at that place, even right. if it is comedy, because it wasn't in the context of of even trying to do it. If it was a character he was doing, sure. The sky's the limit. Be the worst person ever. But that was, it just seems like he really doesn't like Asian people or gay people. Yeah. Which also, I, you know, I'm so open-minded. If you don't like Asian people or gay people, do you just explain it in a funny way. If you do it in the context of trying to make comedy about it, I'll listen and don't think you should get fired from a comedy show. But if you're just like being totally shitty, I, I have less sympathy. Well, it also came on the heels, too, that Bowen, who we've had in this podcast, uh, right. made on Love. SNL, and he's gay and Asian. And so it's right. like oh, the right. other person that they hired was just directly yeah. talking about yeah. gays and Asians in, in a not right. nice way. Um, 
I think like really not nice. Yeah, I I listened. I have not heard his act, meaning on his on Me stage. So I can't Me judge neither. him on his act. But what I did hear was the same thing. I heard the whole podcast talking about Chinatown, and then the whole podcast where he ranked comedians based off of their. Oh, I didn't hear that part. I mean, it. It wasn't good, and yeah, you know I mean, like it, it wasn't like, like you said, it wasn't contextually. I Did tried, he I tried mention to never talk. Us? Here's the thing: I tried to never talk badly about other comedians because I don't know him. I don't know his process. I don't know what character he's playing. I don't listen to his podcast. What it will say right. is what I heard didn't sit well with me. Um, mm. And I think if I was even with him, I don't think he would ever ask me, but if I was with him and he said, you know, was that offensive? I would say, I, I can't <laughs> judge for everybody if it was offensive, but, um, you know, didn't sound great. But here's and it, the thing. And, and, and above all, I think what I'm trying to say is like what you're saying is like, SNL has now become a very specific type of show and has a very specific audience. And so you're in a very certain... A specific type of working environment, and so, you know, it makes sense that maybe they thought, oh, this would make a lot of people uncomfortable. Maybe it had something to do with that outside of like that the the backlash of of Twitter or whatever. But you know, and then I listened to Jim Norton, who I love, and Jim was saying that this is cancel culture, and this could have been an educational moment, and they could have had him on okay, the show. Okay, that's that's interesting. If it could have been an educational moment, if he seemed like receptive to it, because it seemed right. like he was just kind of like defensive, like, "Well, I was just trying to be original." I'm like, "All right, well, right. were you well, that, trying, that, or were that, you that, just like literally saying you don't like Asian people?" Right, exactly. So I think I think there's if you're trying to find like um, a different angle of this than being on both sides, I think Jim brought up a good point. Like you're right, if he was receptive to it, which I don't doesn't sound like he was, you know. Why not start by having an educational moment about that and saying how do we right, how do we describe this with comedy? How do we teach you, or how do you t- try and you know how do we figure out um, what went wrong and how do we make that better? But it doesn't. I don't know if either side. And it's so weird. There's like sides now. But like it doesn't sound like Shane wants to change. That's what he wants to be. And if that's who he wants to be, then at least just own up to it. But, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, I, I can see yeah. SNL yeah, saying that would this, be is, funny. this is I just on a broad level, generalizing without getting too existential about it. Yeah, dude, you were t- making fun of Asians and gays in a really hacky way. Like, of course, SNL is going to be like, you got to go. Like, <laughs> that's just, of course. It actually, it actually would be. I think it would be funny if he did, if he actually, yeah, did own up to it, but it was literally like, yeah, I don't like those people. I'd be like, oh, I'd almost rather have him say that and be like, I'm these things and this is how I feel and admit it instead of being like, oh, I'm not homophobic. I just, you know, was saying these things and it's like, no, then you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like you're saying, just like own up to it. it like I would find that much more refreshing than him being like, no, you <laughs> well, guys are crazy. I, w- I, I wasn't saying anything wrong. Right I'd word, be like, but- Maybe not refreshing, but if he because everyone's like, no, I'm not this, I'm not that, I love everybody, but then they say stuff like that. So if he was just like, yeah, I, I, uh, I feel that way, then that, people wouldn't even know what to say. If someone got caught doing something like that, and then they're like, yeah, well, yeah, that well, I don't like, uh, I, 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 that's how I feel. I think too, like, look, you and I have said shit on this podcast. Nothing with the intent of like trying to make someone feel bad. But I, I think I'm not a PC guy. I'm not a cancel culture guy. Um, 
So it's interesting. Right. Like, just, just, just to play devil's well, advocate. I love Dave Chappelle's special. I love Dave Chappelle's special. That I mean, was like I, one look, of the best specials I've ever Dave seen. Dave Chappelle's special and Will uh, Bill Burr's special are two examples of stuff where I don't agree with everything they say. I can still watch it and enjoy it. Totally. And uh, I, I had a hard time. Um, I had a hard time locking into anything I could like based off what what I heard. But I haven't heard the history of his podcast, but whatever. I don't know his act either, so right. I cannot talk about his act. But um, it's, it's just a weird time. And, and it, like his comics, like it's – I don't want to be the comic to be like, fuck comics and – because it's like I, I – again, I made this point when I was at DragCon where someone was like, what do you think of – Dave Chappelle's special, and I said, I, I can't stand by Joan Rivers and the jokes she made and then get mad at Dave Chappelle. It's a double right. standard. Like, I can't. Um, at right. least I can say in this situation, what I heard didn't sound like written jokes to me. So that oh, was my that's not. my argument, where it's like, this, these just weren't jokes. They're just like, right. going back to like 1980s, like school, lunchroom, making fun of Asian talk, you know? It didn't sound right. like it was any kind of... Look, you can have experiences. Let's say, okay, Chinatown, if you're a white guy and you're... All right, you know, if you're not even Chinese, if you're going through Chinatown, it's your first time going through it, it is a new cultural experience. And you can talk about those things, the differences and things that are new to you, and you can do them through the lens of someone who doesn't understand what they're seeing without jumping to racism to explain your confusion. Does that make sense? Right. Like, totally. It's there's a way to do it if you you know if that's what you feel like talking about. Um it doesn't have to be racist, but whatever he was doing wasn't that. It was And he he scrubbed that clean. Well, how bad do you think the other episodes were if that was the episode he left up? Like, if he was like, yeah, this will be fine. What well, the hell was I, in those other episodes? Did he erase all his podcast? Like, what happened? Yeah. So they, the YouTube and the podcast were all taken down except for, like, three or four, and then that was one of them. Oh, God. That was left up? So that was what was left up. The, it remi- that's what – that's why I always used to think it was funny when I would be on Craigslist and I would see – um, posts that were like flagged as inappropriate because I'm like, wait a minute, what was that fucking post? Because there's posts on there like submissive, like submissive role playing, uh, ferret seeks person to gangbang to Harry Potter in the dark, like <laughs> call me back. And that post would be on there, and then I, the next post is inappropriate, and I'd be like, wait, what was that post? Like, what was the post that got flagged? So if that's the post that he left up. I'm very curious about what was taken. He should just put him up. Put him up. Now uh, that he's fired, what has he got to lose? Well, yeah. I mean, this Jim was trying to make the point that this will make him more famous than he would have been on SNL. I don't know if I you agree. You think? I, I don't agree. I mean, I don't think anyone's talking about it anymore. So, I mean, <laughs> except you and I. I've never even met him. I've never met him in New York, you know. So I was reading this interest. I've never, I've never seen him in my entire uh Oh, his face looked a little bit familiar, but I don't know. I, maybe I had, like, a car salesman that looked like him or something. Um, did you read... There was this quote that uh, Pete... How do you say his last name? The gay guy? The guy running for president who's gay? Oh, Button plug? Uh, um, Pete Buttigieg? Button... Buttigieg. Buttigieg. How, can he, how can he have his last name have, start with B-U-T-T? I know. Like, just what are the chances that he's gay and running for president and his last name's Butt? 
I mean, <laughs> not like I know I'm supposed to pretend I'm like too mature to notice that, but like it's just it's not happening. But he had this. He said this about um, gay media that I thought you would maybe get a kick out of. But he was he. So I'm gonna do the direct. I'm gonna. I looked it up to do the direct quote because I don't want to like mince it up. But he said um, he he could not even read the LGBT media anymore because it's all. He, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought that he said that the media, gay media was too gay. I, that was what was funny to me. But he said he can't read it because they say that he's too gay, not gay enough, or the wrong kind of gay. Which mm-hmm. is something that I thought was interesting because I used to always think that sometimes when I would feel nervous about um, like doing stand-up where I'd be like, ah, they'll think I'm too gay. Or if I'm in front of gay people, I'm not gay enough. And like that's like something that you have to like work you know, I was talking about this today with Chris Stefano. It's like it's when you're gay and you're doing something new. Um, generally speaking, it's hard because people really want you to be the right gay for them, even though for I can't them. be. I don't know millions of people. I I I I can I only have my experiences, and so when you right. present your stand-up or whatever you present, and people come at you and say. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. You should do, you know, like for example, I get a lot of flack for not wearing clothes, right? And for some, <laughs> sometimes from gay people, from like gay the, people or straight people, gay people being like, you know, you're a gay comic. Why do you have to be a stereotype? This is just like you're just perpetuating this and, that. and it's like, you know, I lived my whole life with straight people telling me how to live, and now I got to live with how gay people how to tell me how to live, like right. It's it's hard because it's like you you just want to talk about your own experiences and your own life, and then people are just being like, mm, "You're the wrong kind of gay. Why aren't you right. like me?" It's like, "Well, I'm not you. If you don't like right. me, then go to open mics and become your own gay comic that you want to see." It's frustrating. I, I remember when this guy I was talking about when I went to this like dyslexic. I went to a sum, I went to a summer school for kids with learning disabilities, and they had a dyslexic program one summer. So I went there, and then I went to the school. So it's a special school for kids with learning disabilities. That maybe a couple couple hundred students in the entire school. And I had talked about it, and this one guy wrote a review, and he was like, "Okay," I, he was like, "I enjoyed Emma, but the stuff about going to a dyslexic school for kids, you know, that has kids that have learning disabilities, the dyslexic summer school." couldn't be more hacky heard it a thousand times and i was like let me just excuse me you that's you've heard that a thousand times who do you did you go to the school because no one has heard that a thousand times because no one even went to that fuck who else who else is uh where is this where's that criticism coming from i mean you could say a lot of things are happy but hacky but i wouldn't say going to a specific school for kids with learning disabilities yeah, is like that common of an experience. going on an airplane and talking about your experience. Going to a school for dyslexia is so Yeah, I was like, hurt. that's the best I got, man. I was like, if that, if you don't think that is an original experience, like, I mean, it probably was someone who went to the school and then has a lear- like processing disorder and so they didn't understand that not everyone goes to school for learning disability kids. That's probably what happened. Or he's just a it, douche. Or he's a douche. One time I posted, I was going to a lesbian wedding. I'm like, just another weekend going to a lesbian wedding. And then, like, you know, and I said, I hashtag basic. And someone was like, that's not basic. You just go to a lot of lesbian weddings. So it's basic to you. And I was like, oh, yeah. Why is everyone so, con- maybe. Why can't people just shut up? I did the Jim and Sam show today. And the first <laughs> comment on one of the photos was, let me guess. He's going to talk about being gay. And then talk about being oh. gay. And then another one was like, wow, this is really a gay show. Going to have to turn it off. And it's like, oh, okay. They, um, their listeners are rough. 
they, they yes. skewered me after we went on. I had on a green sweatshirt, and there were all these uh, comments about how I looked like the Joker. Uh, some, I don't know what it was, the Joker or something. And you know what? I want to say it didn't bug, it, bug me, but I haven't worn that sweatshirt since, and it was expensive. It was from Scotch and Soda. The, the Riddler? The Riddler, that's what it was. Yeah, because they green. I don't think you look like the Riddler. Well, we're at 40 that. minutes. I, I, how do we feel? I feel like do you ha- Do you have anything coming up that you want to promote? Not I'll be to in, cause an existential crisis. I'll be in London at oh, the that's Soho exciting. Theater, October. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, I believe October 13th to the 19th. So just go to MateoLaneComedy.com and look up tickets. Have you spent time in London before? I've never been. I'm really excited to go. Please let me know how it is because I would absolutely love to do shows in London. I mean, for sure. I'm sure you would do great. Yeah. I would love to do it and then just have the guy contact me. Then just have him contact me directly. Okay. I'll talk to him. He can call my mom. She's she's filtering things for me now. Oh, uh, oh my mom's actually going to be in town next week. Well, for then two, do I get I'm going to be in her. I'm going to be in town for two days before we go to this wedding. So she's going to... Wait, she's going to be there Thursday and Friday. She's in, she's in town for an event at a museum. So she's... But on Thursday morning, if you're around, I was going to take her to get a vitamin drip. This Thursday morning? This Thursday morning. All she's right, getting just, a vitamin drip. Just text me so we we'll can... Touch, yeah, we'll touch base about it. I was trying to... Um, I want to get her plugged up so she uh, is sprightly and doesn't age. Okay. All right. And then if you guys get if then I'm going to be in um uh DC the last weekend uh October 25th and 26th and then I'll be at Vermont Comedy Club November 1st and 2nd. Oh, and then was, I'm doing I'm a festival. Been, Have you done it. Vermont Comedy Club before? Yeah, and I'm doing it again in uh uh I think January or February or something like that. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, someone must have dropped out. They booked me last minute for it, but it's all good. Um, all right, so that was the, that was another episode.